Hello and welcome to the Challenge Cup, part four. Two washups, one pro. Wait, let's get it going. How are you doing, team? Let's get it going. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to uh, get into this chat today. I think we can expect a good matchup. I'm pleased with the two teams coming to the Challenge Cup final on Saturday. So uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. I also haven't chatted with you, but I have a little secret topic that I'm going to, some new news that's come out that I want to sneak in later in the pod, but we'll let that be what it be. Oh no, Tina, we talk every day, more than multiple times a day and you're going to sneak I know. This in? I think you'll like this topic and you'll be intrigued by it. But anyway, we'll just keep that as a surprise for you all. Me a little anxiety. I just did my 60 minute Allie Love feel good ride and now I'm not feeling so good. Oh no, girl. You look good. Look at you. Fit as a fiddle. It's called the Peloton. Peloton you, know what I, you know what I really want to do before we get into this? My goal is to like, you know, on Peloton, how they have like groups for like riders or whatever. I want like an interview. To Washington Pro? Yes, but I, yes, I want- a, a we'll Get all our guests to join. Yeah. And I want everybody because I think that's just fun. I'm going to- Yeah, well, to be fair, I don't really think players, Joe, like they do kind of work out like nine hours a day doing no, soccer. No, I know, but I'm like also- people who are I'm also like- thinking, Post. yes or like post nwsl players or post college yeah, retirees, like, christina, like, like christina wash ups. wash ups a wash up yeah. approach just wash up group we can add christina yeah. Gibbon. okay I we'll just, work on that if you want to be part of the wash up group let us know on instagram yeah please okay all i'm right. into that let's all right it. let's get into it so jojo yes usually we go through games but I'm sure all of you have watched the games. We know it's in the final. We thought it'd be more fun to kind of talk through some takeaways entering season, um, kind of going through this challenge cup. We'll get into more about our thoughts about the challenge cup this year, being that it's the second kind of iteration of it. Um, but Joe, let's get into uh, greatest takeaways. Start what out with Gotham. Think? You go ahead. I want to hear what you think about Gotham. All mm-hmm. right. Well, I got a lot of things to say about Gotham. Um, I honestly feel like they came into the season. It was kind of like out of nowhere, right? They rebranded. It's like a new team. Um, I'm going to get more into them in detail later just because they're going to be in the final. And that's my team I'm talking about, which I'm excited about. Um, But yeah, they, you know, I think you saw a lot of players come into this, this season with a kind of a chip. And it seems as though despite years of not being successful, they're ready to win now. And I really feel like I'm seeing, this is kind of probably would sound crazy, but I do feel like I'm seeing a different version of Carly Lloyd. Yes. Um, Not in terms of obviously her talent. She's incredibly talented, has always been talented. You've also seen her game iterate. I think that's, I would say one thing about Carly Lloyd that like, if you want to play into your thirties, take Carly Lloyd as a great example of somebody who's like, okay, Certain physical attributes have been lost just because of father time. But like, I now am finding other areas that I can improve upon that maybe I don't have the same speed, but I can be a better player or playmaker in this area and re kind of reiterating her game later in life, which I think has been fascinating to watch. You've even seen it on the national team. Um, But this year for me, really, it's been her ability to come in as a leader and Obviously, she's always been a leader in the way that she plays, but you kind of see her, at least from afar, it looks like she's kind of getting her hands around these younger players and motivating them to want to be in positions where they are contending for a challenge cup. Um, and I think her presence, the, the, the kind of the step up from last year that you're say, seeing in players, Mitch Purse is a great example of somebody who obviously has always been very talented, but you're kind of seeing her come into making a name for herself on the national team, but more importantly in the league. Um, she's intimidating for other teams coming to play uh, New York, yeah. New Jersey, as they call it. Um, and I feel like they're investing in the club now, where in years back, I, I hate to say this, but they kind of reminded me of like a, another version of like the Boston Breakers, where they were in this big market, but to be in a market like that, you kind of have to really put the dollars behind it. And I and think what's cool like, too, though, Teen, is that like, I think a lot of people think it can happen. Like it's, it has to take years and years and years. This is like a two to three year, I would say maybe even just straight up two year turnover. And 
that just shows like if you invest in women's sports, if you invest in a women's soccer team, it can turn out pretty darn good. And just this little bit of time and commitment that that the organizations put into the club. I mean, they're freaking in the Challenge Cup final now. I think it's great. I think for it's sure. great. So I would say my biggest takeaway then to, to kind of sum yeah. up for Gotham is um, I would say it's a team that's come in with a, with a very different identity and one that's very exciting coming into the season. We'll see how much they can do it on a consistency scale. But I think in terms of some a team I would want to mirror my culture around on the yes. field, you know, I can't speak to off the field, but on the field, Gotham's right up there for the league. So yeah. I think whatever they've established in the off season or just through camp, it's, you know, already paying them dividends in the, you know, in the onset of the season now that they're going to go compete against Portland on Saturday. But yeah, on that so note, on that tell note, me about Portland. Okay. So I'm going to use a little analogy. When I train kids, all I use are analogies. So just bear with me on this one. So I was actually talking to mom, my mom the other day. My favorite book when I was growing up was called Goofy's Big Race. Okay, let me give you a little insight on this. So Goofy's driving this truck and he's got to make it to this destination. And he just keeps on chugging along, chugging along. Well, Donald Duck, on the other hand, has this like sweet new Ferrari. He's zooming past people, he's, but he's stopping and he's getting dinner and he's getting meeting with friends. Portland is Goofy. Portland is Goofy's big race. It doesn't matter what they're doing they keep chugging along every single year they're in it every single year it doesn't matter what the surrounding clubs are doing it doesn't matter what new faces other clubs are bringing in it doesn't matter portland continues to win and i think for on that note i think you've got to look at one leadership and two one of those players that's been there for years and years is sink and she's Obviously, kind of on Carly Lloyd. Another kind of, yeah, I was going to say, another kind of Carly Lloyd. Yeah. Reiterated her game. Exactly. Her and I think, I think these top two teams has has that kind of leadership of they've been to the top and they've been that that nine fast player, but now they're learning how to play make. Now they're learning how to set those younger kids up like Simone Charlie, Sophia Smith. I guess we can, I still call Lindsay Huran young, even though she's been in the league for a while. Those players to be successful. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And they continue to put their head down and their goofy's big race. And on that note, Simone Charlie with her goal. I mean, I know we've talked to her, you know, we've talked about her a bit and have had her on the podcast, her decision to dummy that ball. Yes. She's yes. We've talked about her pace. Yes. We've talked about her IQ, but the IQ to understand what space she's checking into and what space Therefore, when she's checking into, she's leaving a big space. So she's knowing as she's checking, ah, I got you, you're biting on my check. Dummy spin out and the ball across. It's funny that both of the goals came from in that game against Houston, both of those balls came from a ball across the 12. And once again, sink coming in. And what I think, I don't know if a lot of people noticed was because she's so experienced, she realized she didn't overrun the ball. I think a lot of players would have already been in that spot where the ball ended up coming and could have kerfuffled their feet and it wouldn't have been a clean finish. She made that look so easy. If you watch the replay, she kind of slows, she's kind of going slow, slow, slow. And then as soon as she sees where the ball is going, that's when she explodes into the space. And that's what makes her finish so pristine and so clinical. And so for Portland, I think her leadership and, and I think they're just Goofy's big race. I think they're going to continue to have a great NWSL 2021 season. So I don't think we can discount them um, moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, playing with Simone at Vandy for a year, knowing just all her God-given talent in terms of her ability on the ball, but also her athleticism. Um, that was really the only thing that like she had to probably improve upon at the next level was really figuring out how to fit in a system. And it seems as though whatever they're doing in Portland is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, another team that is going to be consistent and wait till, you know, it's a team also that gets a lot of benefit out of their stadium and fans. So we'll see what kind of things opening up, what that looks like over a long season and how that helps them. Um, all right. Chicago, Chicago, uh, Chicago's losing me money. I got to get Joanna a bottle of wine because I really came in hot on Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, you know, 
it's interesting because we when you think about the game, like I, I keep thinking about this in terms of like people talking about basketball right now. When you play series, right, the better team almost always wins. The thing that's amazing, I think, about soccer, football is that literally on any given day, anyone can win. And it's interesting because like, obviously, if you were to look at Chicago's Challenge Cup immediately, you, you know, you look at them at the bottom of the standings, but you're like, it's amazing because they're right there. They are right there from a roster perspective. And I would say my greatest takeaway and what's going to determine the success of their season is finding an offensive identity. Um, I think there's no doubt that they are talented across the board. And I think they have a good culture just because they haven't had a lot of turnover in terms of other teams. So there's um, a lot of leadership in that locker room that's been there over years um, and can sustain kind of a good culture amongst the team. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I think a big takeaway and something that's going to have to be answered is can Mal Pugh come in and be that spark for them and take a leadership role on the offense to say, okay, uh, I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm also going to help create amongst the other talented players that are around me, like um, Watt and Rachel Hill and other players that are coming in on the front line. Uh, it's just for me, they're so successful between the 18s. And it's just, it's been a challenge in terms of the success in scoring. And then obviously on the defensive side, what I, being a defender, I think it's an easy fix, just better decision-making. A lot of the goals that they let in were poor decisions and very, very easily fixable. And I think, frankly, I think that's just some early season kind of kinks that they're working out and communication they're working out with their um, keeper. And I have to give teams credit, right? Like we had a lot of influx with national team players being there and then not being there. And like Nair is an example, not being there for the longevity of the camp and all of challenge cup, um, her coming back in, you could tell that there was still some holes defensively that they're trying to fill. And so I actually still think that they're a big, they could be a big contender this year. It's just a matter of regrouping now and figuring out one, what's the best lineup? How do they want to play? but also how can they translate their skill into goals? Cause I think what you're seeing too is every team's in it to fight this year. And there was a lot of games in the challenge cup that you were like, wow, four, three, three, two. I mean, I could tell you right now, Paul Riley, who's a, who's a coach that hates getting scored against. I mean, he's got games in the four, he's letting three to four goals in his, his defense, yeah. which is very unlike, North Carolina. So I think this year you're going to have to be able to score. Oh, to absolutely. Be successful. absolutely. Um, and so I, agree. I no. think Chicago, yeah, I think it's the, those are the two question marks for me is, is what can they translate offensively and just cleaning up things. I, I'm not worried about the defense as much, to be honest with you, Joe. I think for me, it's more, how can they take such a strong midfield and convert that into playmaking up front and ultimately goals? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's, uh, they also are so talented. It's such a talented roster. So I think figuring out the best fit of what players fit with each other, I think that's going to be the key and what players fit for the goal scoring opportunities. How do we get the most opportunities at goal? How many looks do we get a game? I think that those are things that, you know, Rory and the staff are probably going to be, I mean, most likely going to be thinking about. Um, okay. So going on to Kansas city. This one was hard. This one was this hard. I didn't I think it's, when I think of Kansas city, I still think of question marks and I don't, I don't think that's a disrespect to them at all, because if you look back at it, they went from Kansas city to Utah, they're back in Kansas city and you went from Kansas city to Utah back to Kansas, Kansas city with a different club in a different vibe and a different ownership. So although they're in the same city, it's a different vibe. So they've had so and turnover. Much yeah, and turnover. You've had so much change of ownership, change of coaches. Like, that's hard. That is hard to adjust. But the one person that I think can steady that ship and is doing and she's doing her job is A-Rod. She goes so unnoticed in the league that her willingness and her fight and her leadership, I mean, I would literally go in a ring with that woman. Like, I would, she's For just, sure. she's, she's got mom strength. So fiery. Like, she's I love, fiery. she's so fiery. God, I love it. Like, I love it. And I think 
she is somebody that you can build the team around. And I think that there's a home in Kansas City now. You know, I think with the investors and the ownership that's there yep. with this Kansas City team, I think that they really can go far. But right now, it's tough. It may just take a little bit of time for the public to see kind of, you know, what they're trying to produce. I'm sure internally, they know what they're trying to do. They know the goals that they're trying to set. They know what they their identity has to be in the, what they want it to be. But I think it's just going to take time. And and I think that's okay <laughs> to, to be fair in what, what they've gone through. Like, they can do it because they have the right people there. So I'm, I think, when I think of Kansas city, I think of just question marks, not negative question marks, just question marks. Interesting. Yeah. And I I think Joe, like, to be fair with the year that we've had, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not at Uh, all. That's why I was like, it's not negative question marks. It's just, yeah. I, I would not be shocked if the results of this challenge cup do not at all dictate the four teams sitting there at the end of the year, just strictly because first of all, this is the longest we've talked about this, but this is the longest season almost, I think ever. I mean, the the, the championship, me and you are going to be sitting at the, I mean, I want to go, let's, we're going to go to the championship. Absolutely. November. It's like, that feels like another lifetime away kind of, and we haven't even started the season. So I think there's a lot of time to regroup, to change you. Even we've even talked about the schedule, the challenge cup, it's kind of like right to the next game, bad performances, which will happen you're going to have some days to figure it out and say, okay, what do we do wrong? How do we fix it? Um, so yeah, I agree. I don't think it's a negative thing, but um, I think their, their team will have to kind of get a little bit more on, on tape, I think, to understand to what their year is going to look. Yeah. Just to see what their year is going to look like. But I do agree. I think A-Rod's the heart and soul. So she dictates a lot of their success. Now, one team um, I'm excited about, go ahead and talk Louisville. about Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Louisville. Um, you know, for me, I think the the team I would have expected to have the most question marks about yes. <laughs> was Louisville. Because like, I mean, it's an expansion team. They literally take a mosh posh of players together. And and you know what? I just think there's so much to be said about having zero expectations. Like if they come 10th in the league, no one's like writing hate mail to no. Louisville. Right. It's like, you're a brand new team. You're taking all these players that basically are, in not my opinion, are cast offs, but can be seen that way because basically they weren't protected by their former team and trying to build around um, those players. And I think, you know what, from a coaching perspective, Joe, the more I've thought about this, I think there's an advantage to that. Because unlike a a team where you have multiple national team players, where you're kind of building your roster and your play around those players because of their great strength, here, it's like, I think there's more of a large group of players that are on the same, like, talent level. So you can let players kind of have the freedom to do what they do best and build your play around that versus building around one player. You're building around 10 players and you're... I think they're more malleable to say, okay, here's how we're going to play in Louisville. You need to fit in that role. And I think players, these players having a chip are more probably open to that change and saying, okay, what am I good at? How can I add to our overall goal as a team? And frankly, like, it's like kind of like balls to the walls. Like we have nothing to lose. I mean, how many games have like, they've been, you know, there's been, pockets in the game where they're being outperformed never you never see them not fight no and I think that's something to be set for in a long season I'm going to be curious to talk about this later in the year and in August is that what we're going to see at a Louisville are we going to see a team even if they're not getting it in the standings they're not you know a top team which they may be but if they're not are they still fighting through games and I think whatever is happening from a culture perspective there is 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 going really well because I saw a lot of fight in a team that had zero expectations. And sometimes I think not having that pressure, I think, frankly, like a team like Chicago, they have, as an opposite, they they have that pressure. There's an expectation for them to be in the final game, especially only adding players and not really losing players where Louisville, it's like, none of you guys thought that we could do this. Let's prove you wrong. And I think that chip is something um, 
that's going to take them a long way. And something that I frankly didn't anticipate as a takeaway going into the challenge cup, because I didn't have expectation. I figured, Oh, maybe they'll, you know, get a pockets of performances. I've actually seen some pretty good game good performances. Yes. By teams. Yes. Absolutely. So and I think, I think that kind of leads into the Orlando pride is there were a ton of, once again, like a lot of, I think, whereas, like you said, Louisville doesn't have pressure. Chicago has pressure. I think Orlando, this challenge cup was a huge, huge, huge test for them. They didn't compete in the 2020 challenge cup due to COVID obviously. And then with the fall series, you weren't really able to see the team that Mark was wanting to put out. You know, you had kids on loan, you had national team. Sid was still uh, not recovering, but still getting fully fit from her pregnancy from her birth, not her birth, good Lord, from the boot birth of Rue. <laughs> Lord. Her but, birth process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were able to see the Orlando Pride team that I think Mark Skinner has been trying to sculpt out and develop. And I think if Sid can stay in form, if Alex can stay in form, if Ash can be a stalwart back in the goal, I think they have the pieces. I think it's, I think they've answered the critics. I think there's a ton, a ton of pressure on this team coming into this challenge cup and they were in it. Granted the East was a bit difficult, but they were in it to the last game. And I, I give credit to all those girls. Whereas I think early on in previous years, I think the, the Orlando team would have, you know, like we've mentioned before, kind of not given up, but kind of let their foot off the gas Whereas this team is stepping on teams next. They're trying to win. They're not giving up. They're battling. They're scraping. They're fighting. And I think that's going to come in handy in a full season. You're going to go through ups. You're going to go through downs. It's how you react to it. And this Orlando Pride team, I know Mark's talked about, I'm sure he's still talking about is defining the badge. And I think they did a really, really good job of defining who this Orlando Pride organization and who this club is. And I'm excited for him. I don't, I I kind of still don't have many expectations on them. I really want to see how they progress throughout the season, losing Alex, losing some of these internationals. How do these young kids come in and hold that, hold the fort down? Yeah. I also, I'll be honest. I think I have a lot of questions about the midfield, which for me is, uh, I mean, if not the most important area, like for a team in terms of performance and having consistent performance, um, I think they're still figuring out how they are able to connect lines. I think they're strong defensively and I think they're strong offensively, but I think where they struggle is kind of using their midfield to connect. But I think lines. That comes with that's also the classic, your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness in the sense that Marta, if Marta's playing in that 10 role, her strength is to be able to float. So then it's on the other two that opens up gaps. So then it's on the other two midfielders of how, do right. we, how do we fill those gaps? How do we, it's just an understanding of play. And I think that that's back to my point, Joe, about yeah. having a player like Marta where players, Marta's not changing. No. So you need to build around Marta versus a Louisville exactly. where it's building around 10 players. Exactly. So it's more they need to find that niche, the defensive, the six, they need to find that niche of like, okay, we got three games in. How does Marta play? Oh my God, she's all over. How do we do our job to the best of our ability to connect lines? So yes. yes. I'm interested. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see how they continue a full season because we haven't seen a yeah. full season since 2019. Yeah, for sure. Um, O'Rain, you know, I think for me, started a little rough for them. And I think part of that was, um, you know, not having certain players like Rapino and Fishlock in the lineup and trying to figure out how they wanted to play. I also, to be, I know I harp on this and I hate talking about things outside of like the players in the field, but I hate their field. I think it's very restrictive for them as a home field. I feel it's the, the loss of five yards on each end. It seems little, but I think when you're playing in a game, it's a lot. And I feel like for a team that's historically been very possession based, it's, it, it you could see in, it, it just like, it kind of felt like kickball sometimes, even for other teams, you just can't, possession can't be held for more than a few seconds. Cause it's just like so many players crunched in this field. Um, but I think for what I, two takeaways for me is one, 
Ciara King's about to earn herself a starting spot. And she, I mean, her last game performance was, I mean, if you haven't been sold on her yet as someone who's going to build out in this league, I don't know what you're watching. I think she's going to be incredibly vital for them, whether, whether it's off. I mean, she's proven even off the bench, she can come in and be a spark Um, as well as Sophia Huerta. I think that we may see a career year out of her. I think this is finally a position where I'm seeing her kind of fit in a role and, Based on some of her performances, I feel like she has a chip. I think she's trying to prove something, having had a little time at the national team and now kind of being a little bit on the outskirts. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me about Ole Rain is can they put out perform- good performances without the presence of people like Rapino and Fishlock? Because when I look at their three games, every game got better, which is positive. But if you watched by the third game, you had Rapino in and you had Fishlock in. And I was like, okay, now I'm seeing the old rain that I think can be very successful in the league. But with the Olympics and no break, you can't rely on that. And, you know, no, nothing against Rapino, but she does have a history of kind of being in some games, being in and not others. I think like out of any of the national team girls, I wouldn't expect her to, I expect her to play the least. Yes. Um, and so, knowing that and and but also recognizing her talent what she does for the team it's going to be really dependent on players like ziara like uh huerta to kind of establish kind of a a culture where they don't need to rely on those players to to get wins and and then for me i think i still have question marks in that area because of it's only been three games I want to see what they can do over a course of a month. Let's say, let's say they go through August when these girls are in the Olympics. What, what does their record look like? Is it 0 and 4? Is it 1 and 3? Can they, can they, like for me, if it's like a 2 and 2, I'm like, okay, two out of the four games, like I, that's okay for me. Cause I do think it, there's, there's weight to losing players like that. And, and, you know, but I'm interested to see. And the one other thing before I have you chime in is, I'm still a little unsure about what they're trying to do defensively. I feel like I saw a lot of lineup changes on the defense. And I think that's something out of every team in the league that's got, you got to be locked in early on knowing who are our four and how do we want to proceed defensively? Because you saw it even with, I mean, and you're about to, uh, you're going to get into Washington, but even with North Carolina, it's like they're struggling to define that. And, it, and it's getting, I think, into girls headspace. And this is not the time of year where you need players questioning themselves, you know? And I think I completely agree with that, but I think that leads into Washington is that they have a team that's established was already established without the national team players. So with the national team players added in, it's just a freaking advantage. And I've harped on this team from the moment we started these podcasts is I love this team. I think with their front three of hatch Sanchez and Rodman, I mean, good Lord, they, once they get rolling and understanding each other's movements, what each player does best, how do I then fill in, not as a player, how do I fill in where they're weak at? The the whole puzzle piecing, the whole puzzle making of that team, I think is going to show and it's going, when it shows, it's going to be, I think it's going to go on just kind of how North Carolina went on a run. I think Washington's going to go on a run and you know, you have the the back four with Sonnet inserted, with Kelly O'Hara inserted, with Andy Sullivan holding. Two the great guys, by the way. I just yeah. feel like that was really something. They needed some more leaders, great and that gets. was huge. Great gets. And, but I think what's really important, too, is that, like, with them there, it elevates them. When they leave, I don't think they, they go down. I don't think yeah. they go down in, in play. I think, you For know, sure. that's the the massive part of what Washington has built. And I think it goes back to kind of what Gotham, Washington two, two, three years ago, bottom of the league, no one cared about it. No one wanted to go to Washington. And all of a sudden they're getting into Audi field. They're getting into these massive stadiums and people are taking this club seriously. And I think the sky is the limit and I can't wait. I, I cannot wait to see where this team goes. I really can't. They're, they're somebody that I want to tune in and watch to see how it unfolds and they're entertaining. I think it's a very entertaining style. I love the spark. I love the passing, but it's not just, it doesn't lull you to sleep. And I think that it can get For caught sure. in. There's just kind of, we're just passing to pass. I think they pass to break you down. 
each time they are passing, they're moving the defense to then make that penetrate penetrating pass for one of those three front runners that are flashy and able to get in behind and score. So I'm beyond excited. I have high, high expectations for this team. I can't wait to watch them. Yeah. And you know, to be honest with you, just loving that the league's progressing and seeing new storylines being built. I feel like for a lot of years, the conversation has very much been about the West and to see a team like Gotham and the spirit really as like elevate their teams overall and be in conversation for competing for championships. For me, that's really a win for the league. And it shows that teams that have been on the bottom can recuperate. Yeah. Um, But then there's also the North Carolinas that have been consistently great since they moved from Western New York. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot to take out of this team. I think as we've always talked about um, and knowing him well, like a a Paul Riley coach team can never be out of it. And I think what's incredible is you can see how much he's trying to figure it out. I actually don't believe out of any coach, I believe Paul walked into the challenge cup as completely an opportunity to just try out a variation of things for his team with no expectation. I mean, obviously he always wants to win, but I think Paul's really, his mind's more on league championship. He wants to win in November. And so for me, seeing them change a lot of things, but also with all that change and some honestly questionable performances at times, they're always in it. They're absolutely always in it. And a team with Lynn Williams and McDonald they're going to score goals. And then you have someone like Carson Pickett who comes in, frankly, and I think was such a smart get really because of the loss of Jalene Hinkle, who had been that lefty servicing balls to two forwards that are incredible in the air. I mean, McDonald's one of the hardest players to compete with in the air as as a forward. And you saw them utilize um, Carson in a lot of different ways in terms of creating offensive opportunity And I think for me, which has not been the conversation around North Carolina in the past, it's really about, can they get it together defensively? I don't question their ability to score goals, but when you have Dahl Kemper and Urseg as your your stallmates, even back when I was playing with them, which is now what, three, almost four years ago. God, I'm old. Wash up. Saying that. Anyway, um, you kind of are like losing that it's like, it's just showing how vital it is to have that strength in the middle of the field, especially in your center back. So I think they're still figuring out who is their back line one. Um, And they had a change in goalkeeper, which is vital. We've talked about this, even with people in the pod, it's like creating that communication and that linkage between your back line and your goalkeeper is so critical. Um, So for me, I think it's more about kinking out like what does it look like defensively? I think that'll definitely determine their ability to compete. Because let me tell you, if they get it together defensively, this team can compete for a championship. There's absolutely no question with their, who they have offensively. Hamilton, um, you have, you know, Dabinia, you have so many quality offensive players. It's strictly, can they not let goals in? Because if they don't let goals in, they will score goals. And, and we've I, seen time and time again. So. And I think on the reverse, looking at Houston, I think that they have those center backs of Katie Naughton and Megan Oyster who have locked it down and, you know, they, they've held two scoreless draws. And then when they start to trinkle in the Christy Mewis, the Rachel Daly, my husband's favorite player. Um, interesting. Yeah. He, oh yeah, no, he, we, we when we were watching the game, we were uh, predicting scores and he goes, my girl gets two. He loves, he loves Rachel Daly. So shout out Rachel Daly. You are my husband's MVP of the league. We'll get her on the pod. We'll get her on the pod. But, and I think what you, what's interesting too, is the the connection with the goalkeeper. And I think the biggest question mark with Houston was with the possibility of Jane leaving for the Olympics for Lindsay Harris to step up. And she's earned the trust of the entire team of the locker room of the back line. So I think when, and if Jane goes to Tokyo, that back line will feel just fine with Lindsay Harrison goal. Listen, I will take her any day of the week, but the question for them is, whereas 
North Carolina, can they stop conceding goals? Is can Houston, can you score goals without your national team players? Can you score goals without Christine Mewis? Can you score goals without Rachel Daly? And then it come becomes can you know, is offense better than defense? North Carolina's had a ton of outscoring uh, to high scoring games, whereas Houston's had a lot of low scoring games. Right. It's pick your poison. And I think Houston, they have the grit, they have the tenacity, they have the willpower, but can they score goals? And I think that's what we're going to be looking at with them moving forward into the 2021 season. That's what I think, but. I agree. Well, so, to, mo- to move it along, you know, quickly, because I think this is something too that we can, touch back on and maybe let's say July, we'll touch back on this and see what our, our thoughts are real quick, Joe, who's your team to kind of watch and want you, you feel confident in that me and you coming back in July, they'll be in the standings up there in the standings. Washington spirit. I've said it. I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Washington spirit. Hatch Sanchez Rodman, my girl, Dorian, Andy Sullivan, Sonnet O'Hara. They're so dynamic. I'm loving them. They have a fighting yeah. spirit. There, I don't think their results in the Challenge Cup reflect how they are as a club and how they are as a team. So sticking to my guns, Washington Spirit. What about you, team? Gotham definitely yeah. changed it for me as an unexpected dominant team. Um, I think also it's incredible to think, and I just, you know, if Ali Long coming into the, the lineup mm-hmm. now, Zerboni has been out, but Zerboni is also really, as a leader, you're not seeing her now because of injury, but her presence in that locker room can be heard and felt. And I remember that in North Carolina. Um, And I think with that kind of leadership and the continuity I'm seeing, the enjoyment I'm seeing, even talking to Mandy, feel like they're loving soccer again. I feel like they're a team that's going to win consistently. Um, And you're going to just see players like a Paige Monahan, like a Midge, just improving over the season and getting more consistent with their performances. So I'm excited. I think in July, I would not be shocked. And I expect that they will be a top East team. Yeah. So uh, on to, I think something that I'm most excited about that we've kind of picked up on as we've gone through these podcasts is the term undercover stud. So teen, who is your undercover stud that transitions yeah. into an early season breakout stud? Who do you got? Cece Kaiser. Yeah. Uh, I just think she's the epitome of a player that exemplifies being successful in the league, but not necessarily being a national team player. Um, You know, 13th overall comes out of Ole Miss. um, Didn't really have much opportunity out of Houston. And basically is, again, in a way, I hate saying it that way, but it's like a cast off. They don't protect her. She gets an opportunity with Louisville. And I feel like whatever she put in her mind coming into the Challenge Cup, whatever chip she has, She's proving that in the right system, she can be a very consistent and impactful player. Um, She's super dynamic. She's creating a lot of offensive opportunities for them, um, even, you know, creating goals for herself. And I love her kind of fearlessness. You see her taking on players with no regard. She has no fear to kind of come at you and try to perform offensively individually, um, but also has a good soccer IQ where I feel like She's also creating for her teammates and trying to find people, uh, you know, in the 18, outside the 18, kind of moving the ball. Um, and I think kind of hiddenly, Joe, I feel like her impact is also can be seen in, you know, also what she's doing defensively. Mm-hmm. I think as a linkage in the midfield, I think she is someone that, again, like we don't talk about it enough, but it's so critical for your midfielders to really connect your offense and your defense. And I think she's doing it both ways. It's very easy to get caught up in what she does offensively and her ability to create for them and keep them in games. But I also think like she's consistent in her performance throughout the entire game where she's fighting defensively as well to protect their goal. And um, I'm really excited about her. I think she's somebody that if, if staying consistent can definitely be up for one of the most improved players um, coming out of the 2020 year. Um, and I, you know, for me, frankly, Joe, it's just, a, it's being an, you know, what would have could be considered a non-national team player. It's, it's very exciting for me because I think we need more players like that to step up and earn accolades and attention. Yeah. Um, not I, that it's not important to have national team players, but you know, my take on that, I think it's important to build brands around girls that, you know, maybe we'll make a national team. I'm not saying she can't, 
but don't need that to be successful on the field. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jennifer Kajou. Um, Kujo, sorry, Jojo. I Kujo, sorry, Jennifer. Kujo. 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 I feel like my dad, my dad, I, no matter how many times I tell my dad mm-hmm. how to pronounce something, he still can't pronounce it. So that's how I feel. I'm so sorry, Kujo. I, um, but you are my breakout stud turn into early season stud. Now you didn't think you could go a full podcast without me giving stats. So let me give a little history on our girl here. She's 27 years old. She's from Ghana. She joined sky blue in early 2020 by coming to an open tryout. Let me repeat an open tryout. She signed a short-term contract played in the 2020 challenge cup. And in that 2020 challenge cup, she appeared in all six matches started four, and she completed 80.5% of her passes. That's a high, high completion rate. Following the 2020 Challenge Cup, signing multi-year deal, was then playing in the fall series. Once again, 80% success rate on tackles, completed over 76% of her passes, and it is exactly what you want out of a defensive midfielder. Now, prior to Sky Blue, because I think this is really important, she began her career in the States out of Ghana with Northeastern Oklahoma A&M College. To junior college where she won the 2014 NJCAA Player of the Year. She then played four years in the WPSL. She's represented Ghana in the U17, U20, and full team. Now, whereas Racing Louisville is combined of all kind of the cast off, no, I don't want to say cast offs, but I mean, they weren't protected yeah, I mean. by their team. Gotham, then Sky Blue, did not protect her. Racing Louisville saw her value. They picked her up with the third pick in the expansion draft. And then Gotham loved her so much they traded back for her. I mean, does the story get any better? I've watched this Gotham team play. She holds that six fort down. I love her. And you can tell the joy and the passion that she plays with. And it really resonates me after, I think it was after the first game where she had such a great game. There was a clip of her dancing and just loving, loving playing at the level that she's at. And there's so much about her that I love and I, that resonates with me. She, she spent her years in the NWP or the WPSL. She, you know, she grinded it out and she went to an open tryout and is now starting on the Gotham team that's going and leading this 2020 Gotham team into this cha- or sorry, 2021 team into this challenge cup. I just think she's awesome. She's my turned into a breakout star. You look at it. That's why I'm so excited. I, I didn't realize she has not been in the NWSL. So you, when you watch her play. Oh, her story is incredible. Her story is incredible. It's, it's motivating you, for a lot of girls. Yes, very motivating. When you watch her play, you're like, this girl's been in the league. Like, no, she hasn't. And she is my undercover stud. I love her. Love that pick. So this is the part of the pod when me and Joe talk about some stuff that we personally are passionate about. Um, I'm going to go with two things. One Joe knows about, which is Allie Long traded from Old Rain to Gotham. Welcome back to New York. Another Albertson alum, Long Island girl. Um, I think this is is huge for Gotham. I I love the move. I mean, it's it's no surprise she'd want to be back in the East Coast where her family's from. But I think her ability, I mean, talking about someone like Cujo is an example, I think her ability to play make out of the midfield will be a great advantage for them with the talent they have up front. Um, And I think the relationship that she already has with Lloyd to kind of have that connection between a 10 and a nine and and working together to create, I, I feel like she can adapt really well to whatever Gotham's doing already. I don't feel like she's someone who's coming in and what we talked about before, where Gotham's gonna have to have to change their style of play to suit her. I think she's a, a, a good fill-in player that will come in right away. Um, and we'll have the freedom to kind of build out of the back, create space um, and help kind of ship, you know, move lines and get that ball uh, from like a Mandy Freeman turn play and break lines, getting them to be successful offensively. Um, 
And I think that's a huge, significant trade to, um, it'll be interesting to see what their lineup is on Saturday with her presence now and getting a little on-field performance. Um, whether they put her in the starting lineup or not, it'll be a nice game time kind of storyline to see what happens. But I think for the long term, uh, I think she's going to have a lot of success for uh, Gotham, and I'm excited to see how they plug her in. In other news, I do want to just quickly talk about Olivia Moultrie, who has filed her lawsuit against the league. The league has come back and is very adamant that her fight for age discrimination, it would be inappropriate more or less for them to change a rule standing. Um, so it's still developing. I will say on the topic, I'm a little confused by the reluctance of the league. I just, I feel like. Players, let her play. Yeah. I just feel like we're in a point now where it's like, this is not the NBA. This is not the NFL. Women are very aware of what the compensation is. So it's like, you're well-informed making that decision. I can kind of under, you know, like, I don't think just because you allow her in now, every 15 year old is going to say, I'm not going to UNC. I'm going to go to the end of it. Like my point is, is like, for some way they think it's like, I'm like, a coach is not going to take you if you're not good enough. It's yeah. just that simple. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, we, we, it's very uncommon for a 15 year old to be even able to play in the NWSL. So I don't think this is going to become the norm. I just think we have a unique situation um, that even if a rule was changed where you could enter at any point, you think that like Paul Riley is just going to pick up a 16 year old. Yeah. Half these colleges can't even recruit well enough because they need to recruit them at in freshman yeah. year. And then by senior year, they're not the same player. So, you we know, gotta get, uh, we got to get lit. We got to get her on the pod. We got to get her yeah. on the pod. That's but I'd be true. just, I, that's just something I think is going to be really interesting moving into the year because it is an active lawsuit now. It so is, we'll see is. what happens. Huh. But Joe, tell me about your, your. So I really feel as this challenge cup with the success of 2020, and I think that there's been major success in 2021, I think it's going to cause, you know, I know you may feel differently, but I think the fact that there is a challenge cup, I think it needs to stay. Uh, if you look at England, they have so many different championships to fight for. They have the FA go, Cup, they have the league, in. they have other championships. And, you know, I think it's something where the NWSL is looking to promote. We're looking to get noticed. I was watching on Sunday golf. I was watching the finals of the PGA event and they previewed and hyped up the NWSL final on May 8th. I just think it's another way for people to get eyes on the NWSL. Now, I think that it doesn't need to be just you win your group and you're in the final. I think that there needs to be some semifinal to get to the final. I disagree with the way that the, it's set up this year. But I think it's, it brings attention. It allows players who may not get minutes to get minutes. I think it's a great way to promote the NWSL and all the teams in it. I know you feel differently. And I, that's why when we were talking about it, I said, let's pause, let's stop, let's save it for the pod. So here, let's do it. Bring it on, Tina. What you got about it? Uh, you know, I think I don't necessarily disagree in terms of what you're talking about with the, the formatting of it. I think it would be more exciting to now maybe have like the top four teams. So two from each division or, you know, like two from the East, two from the West making it more of like a playoff environment where you actually have to like play more than, you know, group games to get into a final. Um, and I get why they did that for timing. Um, and, you know, I'm always, I just, I think I disagree with you with the significance. And I think England's a really poor example to mirror because my thought is the reason England can do that. First of all, the champions league, as an example, is all of Europe. So again, different group of, of teams and only a select few get to put, compete. The FA cup is over three divisions. Yes. So the excitement of it is a second division team beating a first division team. What I have problems with the challenge cup is it's the same damn 10 teams. It's the same as the season. 
And my point is, is that when we sit here in December and we have a challenge cup winner and we have a season winner, what's the difference? But I think I get, I 100%. I, my thing is if you want to make it fun and exciting, get, do it over the summer and get the WPSL teams to join yeah. in and expand it. No, and I, give girls an opportunity to compete against NWSL players. And you know, I said, save it for the pod. But what I think that's my point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But the thing I just think it's more games, which I'm I'm not against. We need exposure. I just don't think the significance is that much. Yes. But I think there's also, once again, the league is the, the season is long, but can your team win in a short amount of time and win another cup, another championship? I think it adds a different element rather than the entire season and then the entire season plus the final i i think it adds i think it's given houston question for you question for you then if the challenge cup wasn't what it was do you think houston would have flipped the script and be as successful as they are now if they're not riding the wave from the 2020 challenge cup can teams is gotham going to i think so I think, exactly. I think, I think Houston was, I don't think they needed a championship to be where they're at. I think it gave them spark. I mean, any championship is going to give a team spark, exactly. but I don't think so, with the challenge cup last year, I don't think you can even compare it to this year's. The challenge cup last year served as the season. It fair. served as the season. I don't, the fall was nothing. It was a fall series. No one earned anything. No. There was just money went to charity, yes. which is great. That was the championship. If anyone's going to look year over year at WNWSL champions, the 2020 champions will be listed as Houston, where this year you're going to have a challenge cup winner and you're going to have a season winner. And no one's going to merit but you're Portland also, or Gotham but you're as also highly as whoever can make it through November. I, I, I don't. I, I, don't I, I agree, case. but I, I somewhat – I don't. I don't because I, I agree with you on – 95% of what you're saying. The other 5% is the more championships to be won, one, the more exposure, the more competitiveness. It's, I just it's, think it's a structure, Joe. I agree with you. Anyone's going to compete harder when there's something to earn. Yes. You're absolutely right. But I think the structure is boring. I think you're watching the same 10 teams, and then in two weeks, you're going to watch the same 10 teams. I think it needs to be expanded. They need I agree. to bring a different division of players and teams in to, you know, and, and because part of it is, is every team's going to look at it differently. And then you're, you you have no offense, but I'd love to see the, you know what? We need to check the ratings. I want to know how many people watch games this week. Cause I guarantee yeah. you it's lower. Okay. That's why there needs to be more of a better structure. I'm not telling you to, to take away the challenge. So then, okay. Okay. So better, then but I, I would not be shocked if we sit here in October and girls are bitching about it because oh, they yeah, literally no, yep, cannot yep, move. Yep. The season is too long this year for a challenge cup. That I, is my thing. Okay, so then I'm not maybe, saying there's anything bad about the challenge cup. I, I mean, the structure is bad for me, but I think this year specifically, we're coming off of COVID. And but you're then why is the season? But why is the season going into November? Ask the league. That's my point. So can we have a challenge cup and a, sh- not a, I worry too much that we want to be so like, I think there's actually some, I worry that we want so much exposure. We're trying to like be here for 12 months where you have like the NFL as an example, there's other things going on. I'm not comparing us, but it's like, we're going through November and then what we're going to start again, they're going to be in camp again in February or March. Like, I just think that we're extending now we're trying to get too much. I'm with not, you. you know, Anyway, we're going to run here, going but, I just- but I think we can sum it up is we both agree that the challenge cup in some form or fashion needs to be reworked for me, reworked, but it could be beneficial. There is something there for the NWSL. Well, we're at a point, Joe, frankly, where any exposure is good exposure right now. So yes. Um, but on that note, take it for what it is. Let's get into the championships quickly. I think we've talked a lot about yeah. the teams already, um, but our expectations, you know, I'm going to get into Gotham. I just, honestly, we've talked a lot about Gotham. I think, I think this weekend we know what we're going to expect. I think Gotham's going to come out hot, but I think Portland is so strong um, through their organization. I think it's going to, I'm interested to see what Gotham can do 
um, offensively to kind of break the organization of Portland. That's, yeah. that's kind of my expectation. I like that. Um, I like that. Break the organization. Yeah. Because it is. Portland is. They're super organized and they know how to, to build out of the back and really put, get the ball from literally their 18 to yep. the, to the goal. And so just something quick that I thought was interesting. I want to see how they come out in the first minute. Gotham has been, you know, previously sky blue. The last time they won the league was in 2009. Okay. And they just have been struggling over years. And so I want to see Portland, obviously, yeah, okay, the last two years hasn't been their best, but they've had years of consistency. I think they're pretty, probably the most consistent team in North Carolina. Right. And so I want to see what kind of performance putting Gotham in, and this is to your point before, yes, this is a huge opportunity for Gotham going into the year because they get an early test in an important game for a team that's kind of ahead of the game in terms of where we thought they'd be. So I'm very curious to see what that Gotham front line can do to what I think is the weakest part of the Thorns, which is the back line for me. I think that's their weakest, not to say that they're bad because people take that. I just think that if if I had to pick the weakest part of their team, I think it is the back line. And I think Gotham has been very successful offensively. And I'm curious to see, I would not be shocked, Joe, if we're looking at like a three, two game. Yeah. Well, for me with Portland, it's, I think it's going to be how with the attacking style that Gotham plays with the outside back spraying forward and Imani Dorsey getting up on that left side, can the Sophia Smith, can Simone, can Lindsay, Lindsay Horan, can sink, occupy those spaces and penetrate those spaces that those outside backs have left. And if they can, which I definitely think they have the firepower too, I think it could be a shootout. I really do. I, yeah. I think it, I think it could be a high scoring game. goals. And there was just announced goals. today, Joe, that there will be a low capacity of fans, which in okay. Portland. Put, and that was getting to my next point is put even 5,000 people. Exactly. You, like put, 30, so. you put a, a well-established the Rose city riveters, you put those fans in there. That's an advantage to Portland. It's a massive advantage. And sure. I think that's also something you got to look at going in. So it's going to be interesting. I'm so excited. May 8th, one o'clock Eastern. Support your girls. Support your Pacific. girls. Support this is going to be a great, it's going to be a great game. There's a good broadcasting crew going on for CBS. Um, get some margaritas. That's what me and Joe, I'm going to be doing that. I'm yeah. going to make a nice margarita. I've got sessions the in the morning, but I'm going to make a great salad. Park will probably cook some up on the grill. Yeah. Get a little. All right. Like we like to do, we like to end our pods with some fun stuff. I'm calling this the swag tag where we on to Washington pro crown the dopest dresser of the challenge cup. I don't know about you, Joe, you but I'm loving, I am loving these Instagram posts of girls like the NBA walking into games, yes. with like the freshest shit on. I just think it's awesome. Um, yeah, I did steal yours first, but like, yeah. come on, got the gun. Jane okay. Campbell, baby. Jane I Campbell. Know. This girl is like, first of all, shout out Ace of Spades merch. Buy it if you haven't already. This girl has her own clothing brand while playing dope as shit. Love her for that. I think that's awesome. I love seeing entrepreneurs in the league. Um, but yeah, you know, Jane just like owns, I think it's more like not even just what she's wearing, but how she wears it. She owns this like trendy athletic style about her with like her like sick design tats. I'm like, you just look dope. Like you could be wearing, like, I don't know why, but you wearing sweats looks better than me wearing sweats. Well, I, I agree. And because you stole mine, I had to come up Gabby Seiler. This does not mean that you're second fiddle, but I think it's interesting. These are both Southern gals. I do have to say so. Oh, Gabby is also, she's also a Georgia kid. Um, I love just the little earring she accents with. I love her style. I love everything. It looks like she just kind of put it on, but she really thought about it. And I, I respect just, her too for her like low shin guard look on game. Oh yeah. How she like pulls that off. I'm like, if I had my shin guards that low, they'd be like flopping out. But exactly. she's like, you with a bun. It just yeah. stays. It just stays. And I think also kudos to Houston for getting those pictures out there because granted, there may be other girls it's happening now across the league. I know, but just did it. It's happening yeah, so across the league. Kansas City's been doing it. So quick I think plug, we'll, we're gonna get twat merch. Where are yeah, the pictures? So, so Jane and Gabs will send you some of that so you can wear it and you can still be the best dressed with our merch. But I mean, that's who I got. Swag tag. Swag tag. Tina? Well, 
we will be back once the uh we'll probably have a little bit of a break um but we'll have a pod out we'll have a pod out previous to the season starting and uh let's just say we have some new stuff coming your way yeah keep an eye keep an eye out on our instagram at two washups one pro yeah just keep an eye out thanks for joining toodaloo